This is the Jocko Underground Podcast, number 37. Mm-hmm. Echo Charles is sitting here with me, yes. kind of chuckling. What's the chuckle for? Uh, you're, you're the man. That's not an accurate answer, <laughs> first of all. <laughs> what, what, what are you chuckling at? Because, right, you're fired up today, and I'm feeling your energy, okay. and it's good, man. I'm, I'm very happy. It's making me very happy. Okay, so topic today. There's a question that I get asked. There's a, a there's First of all, everybody always wants to know the one thing, right? I get asked that question a lot. Hey, if there's one thing that you could have known, and I get it, I get it. I'm not, I, I shouldn't have done the, the, the condescending voice or the mimicking voice because it's a legitimate question. Hey, if there's one thing that you would have known when you were in the SEAL teams, if there's one thing you knew when you started your business, if there's one, so there's always those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. If there's one book you could recommend, there's those questions. Is there one piece of advice that you, right? So there's all these questions, right? And I usually try and sort of gently say, well, you know, I I feel like I evolved over time and I didn't just have a eureka moment. And the eureka moments that I have had, I put them into the book so you can read, especially Leadership Strategy and Tactics, that's got some eureka moments in it, right? Learn how to detach, learn the importance of humility, right? So those are, things that I remember happening. Then you get, but but alongside the book one, occasionally there's one that comes up. I didn't feel like this was a Jocko podcast level question, but that's what this podcast is for. Uh, best movie of all time. What's, a, what's your favorite movie of all time? I, again, to me, that's a tough question because there's so many different categories of movies. Okay, so what are your top five movies of all time? Well, again, now we're, how are we rating this? So what I, I framed this topic for myself mm-hmm. in a different way. And the, the, the question is, or the statement is, what movies have I watched more than 10 times? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So I, that was my thought. And then a kind of a little bit of, I'm not going to go too far into it, but like why? Why is that movie particular? And then also I have to make a caveat here that I literally just thought of the first 10 that came to my mind, and there's more than this. And I know I'm probably missing some of my favorites or whatever, but that's what I thought. And then I thought to organize them, I kind of, well, as I did it, I was naturally, I just naturally fell into going in my past and thinking what movies in my life have I watched more than 10 times in chronological order? So number one, coming out of the gate, Jaws. Jaws? Yep, Jaws, we used to watch Jaws. So we we had a videotape machine back in the day. Sure, hell yeah. Betamax or VHS? VHS. My dad started this company or attempted to start this company called Video Inventory Protection, VIP. Not a bad little branding (laughs) move there, Pops. I got you. So he, in order to make this happen, it was, the idea was he would go into your house and video things. Mm -hmm. And then if your house burned down, you go, hey, I got this videotape in my, you know, my safety deposit box at the bank. We're good. That was his idea. Business never did anything. It was a flop failure. (laughs) But but he did buy a camera, a video camera, and a video cassette recorder, which, by the way, was two different items. Mm-hmm. The video recorder was the size of two or, no, maybe three shoeboxes. Mm-hmm. Maybe four shoeboxes. It was big. You, 
and then it had a big thick cable that was as bigger bigger around as big around as your thumb mm-hmm. and the cable went to the camera which was a big giant camera and the freaking pictures were awful yes. <laughs> and grainy mm-hmm. and it sucked but we did get this video cassette recorder and you could record off the TV with it mm. so at some point in my life somebody we we recorded the movie jaws off of tv mm-hmm. cuz we didn't have cable so it was you know commercials and all right <laughs> and we just recorded it was also rated g so there was a bunch of parts that were missing which i didn't find out until later in life wait what was rated g was, they they had adjusted it for tv oh, PG so there was then. like yeah. no swears yeah, no yeah. Nudity because there's a couple nude scenes or barely nude scenes or whatever yeah. some of the violence had been edited out yeah. But we had recorded the movie Jaws and we watched it freaking all the time the other thing too is that's That might have been the only movie that we had maybe we had No, I don't think we had any other movies recorded. So that was it. Mm-hmm. So it's like you had one record What are you gonna play you're gonna play that one record? Yeah. So by default, we kind of ended up just going deep with Jaws. Now, it's an awesome movie. I'm from New England. It's got a bunch of, hits a bunch of, uh, what is it? Even when I was a kid, you know, you're like, oh, this is like my people, right? You know, Quint. Yep. So that was number one. I remember watching Jaws. We watched Jaws countless times. Man, next up, Platoon. Platoon, like what am I going to say? When that came out, you know, I wanted to be a commando. Out comes a movie, raw, crazy. Mm -hmm. And we ended up at some point, I don't think we, I didn't get the video of that early, but eventually once I got older and had my own video cassette recorder and stuff and had a, you go out and buy a video from a store. Platoon. And actually, I think I may have confused chronologically, but Apocalypse Now. Mm -hmm. That one I know I had a recording of from the TV or from somewhere. I think it was from the TV. Bad recording. You know those lines going across it sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. That's the tracking line. Yeah, the tracking lines, man, all that (laughs) stuff. But Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse Now may have been, actually I think that predated me watching Platoon over and over again, Apocalypse Now. In fact, I know it did. Should have reversed those two. So Apocalypse Now was probably the first war movie. And again, here I am, young kid wants to be a commando, and here we go. River boats, mm-hmm. brown water navy, commando, upstream secret mission, CIA. I mean, this is just a dream come true. And what's funny about these movies, Platoon, mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now, they, they were making these. These are allegedly anti-war movies. Mm. I've never met a friend of mine that ever thought any of those movies were anti-war. Yeah. <laughs> as far as we were concerned, like those are why, why we're joining. Whenever I whenever I hear interviews with some of those people, the Hollywood people that are, talk about the movie that they made or the movie that they're in, and it was this anti-war thing, I was like, man, I guess I wasn't picking up on that. Because when I saw Apocalypse Now, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I wanted to rock and roll. Platoon. You watch that now, you think, oh my gosh, that's awful. <laughs> when you're 14 or whatever, <laughs> this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. See, I, I didn't put it on the list, but Deer Hunter is another one. The reason I think of that, because Deer Hunter is like a psychologically scarring movie, awful movie. 
I loved that movie. I thought that was a dream life. You know what I mean? I never heard of Deer Hunter. Oh, man. It's a freaking good movie, man. Did he mow? Did he mow? What was the one with Chuck Norris? I don't know. I never got into the, those Delta, movies. I, think it's Delta I never got into those movies. The, the same action movies that you like right now that I don't like, I didn't like them back then. That's weird. Yep. I liked the raw, emotional, crazy, psycho war movies like Deer Hunter. You've never seen Deer Hunter? I never even Psychologically heard of it. scarring. And when I watched it, I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> so we got that yeah. going for us. That and that's you know, I'm starting to go on a tangent here, but taxi driver, same thing. You ever seen Taxi Driver? Yeah. Yeah. So Taxi Driver, not didn't make really make my list here, but that movie. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued by that movie because Travis Bickle had been he's got like a Rakondo. Shirt or something, yeah. hat, something like this, and I, he was supposed to be prior military, right. and I was intrigued by that. Thought, dude, that's legit. He's doing push-ups and disciplined. I was into that. I was a little kid. That makes sense. Yeah, it's re- kind of messed up. Yeah, kind of strange. Raging Bull. Mm. You ever seen that movie? Wait, oh uh, no, no. I know what movie that is though. Very hostile movie I read something about that movie one time that every single frame is that right right word frame every single frame in that entire movie you could take it as a photograph still image put on the wall and it'd be good to go huh yeah I dig it so raging bull I and I select fighting right for me it's like you know but it's weird most kids like Rocky I liked raging bull Raging Bull is not Rocky, bro. It is not an uplifting story. It's freaking depressing. What year is Raging Bull, do you know? I mean, ish, about. Uh, I want to say 80. Mm. I want to say 80. Wasn't that a black and white movie? Yep, it's black mm. and white, but that's because Scorsese would get an artistic on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, he chose. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't forced. Clockwork Orange, you ever seen Clockwork Orange? Yeah. Right up there, man. And this is where you start getting like, you know, I had that rebellious side. Yeah. I had that hardcore kid side. Well, Clockwork Orange was sort of like a movie that they issue to when you're a hardcore kid. They're like, yeah, yeah Clockwork Orange, get your droogs out, mate. We're going to go do some ultra violence. That's what we were doing. We were carrying canes. I had a cane back in the day. <laughs> I believe Like that. thinking I was a droog and whatnot. Amen. That's where we were at. I dig it. A cane's a savage weapon, by the way. Okay. Hey, you can legitimately walk around in public carrying a stick. <laughs> Bro, that's a that's a that's a thing. Mm-hmm. You know how crazy we were. We we got these little attachments for the canes mm-hmm. that you could. Uh, they would like screw onto the bottom of the cane, and they were allegedly for when it was icy out. You could put them into the down position, and there'd be little spikes on the end of the cane. Right, right. For the <laughs> <laughs> so Clockwork Orange, Droogs, canes. Mm-hmm. We're getting after it. Watch that movie countless times. Again, probably not the best movie for a kid to be watching. Mm. I was watching it. Full Metal Jacket goes without saying, right? How I didn't end up in the Marine Corps, we're not sure. Mm -hmm. Because when you see that movie and you're a kid, you want to find the the Marine Corps recruiter stat. (laughs) Where are you at? (laughs) I'm in. Where do I sign up? Mm -hmm. Right? Which, again, is so weird. Because the dude kills himself, kills the drill instructor of war. Everyone's getting killed. And when you're young, you're like, yeah, cool. That's what I'm wanting to do. So it's crazy that these people make these sort of anti-war-ish films. Right. And yet they, they make a kid pro-war 
<laughs> they didn't get through yeah. to me. Yep. I guess in a way. Yeah. So that happens all the time with a lot of movies. Because so, what they do mm. is they show, it's almost like, I don't know if they do it on purpose or not, but it is part of the ride of the movie mm-hmm. where they'll, sh- sure, at the end, the conclusion, they kind of reveal how terrible or how bad or how mm-hmm. scary or yep. how like serious certain things are. But meanwhile, the whole movie, they're they're giving you imagery of like some pretty awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. So you ever seen pretty much oh, everything? Gangster movies too, right? All movies. Well, not all movies, but pretty much all. Yes, gangster movies. Um, you ever watch like Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Um, yeah. Boiler Room. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Even like I remember watching like White Men Can't Jump. Mm-hmm. You know, and like all these things, they show all this awesome stuff about certain. What was the downside of White Man Can't Jump? I forget. I thought it was just like an uplifting basketball story. No, it was like at the end he loses his girlfriend or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Big impact. On that. Yeah, I guess. No, but either way, yeah, maybe that's a bad example mm-hmm. of the downside in the but. But in the beginning, it's kind of like it makes you want to do that thing because it, mm-hmm. it makes it seem so like hip and I don't know, cool and hardcore, or whatever the case may be. And then yeah, then they show at the end how you know. This is really some destructive stuff or whatever, and you're like, yeah. cool ending. But fast forward that part. Yeah, <laughs> you turn it off. Whatever. Uh, yeah, no, I guess you're right. I mean, there's or there's at least part of that is right because de- that's definitely what happened to me. Yeah. I had a movie on here because now I started thinking. Now I'm kind of in the military, and there was a couple movies that came to mind. And by the way, the ten number 10, 10 movies. I guess I'm I'm over, but. Uh, this was a movie where I'm kind of like, wait, is this a cheesy movie? Was this a cheesy movie? I'm not really sure. But it kind of still holds the test of time, not 100%. Tombstone. Mm-hmm. Tombstone, right? Story of brotherhood and whatnot. Like, we got this stuff going on. You got this yeah. tight. You got badasses, right? We're out there doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, they're, Val Kilmer in that movie as Doc Holliday. Come on, bro. Yeah. So when you're... I don't know how old I was. I think that movie came out in 1994. Yeah. And I saw it in the theaters. Oh, damn. Yeah. And who's the lead character in that movie? Plays the lead role. Kurt I Russell. Thought it, yeah, Kurt okay. Russell. Yeah. That just makes me think I got to mention, remember, Soldier, that movie Soldier? Yeah. That, <laughs> Again, that these make, are weird doesn't things. Make that many, like, that how, does, how does that, I watch that movie and just be like, yeah, that's kind of the lifestyle I was looking for, Soldier. Yeah. I wanted to be some kind of a person sitting on the cot waiting for the call to come. <laughs> Soldier. Right. Braveheart? Okay. In the yeah. mix for sure. But I, I will be honest with, well, my honest assessment is if I've watched it 10 times, it's like only 10 times. Mm. Some of these other movies, I've probably seen 50 times, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. It may have made the cut or not. Braveheart's a long movie. Now, how many times have I watched particular scenes? You're right. Once we got YouTube scenarios going on, maybe it <laughs> yeah. goes up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Had to bring up Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Because mm-hmm. I went on an ARG deployment one time and we had that movie and we we watched that movie. It would just be playing. It was basically playing all the time. Yeah, you yeah. would basically walk into our platoon space and it was playing. Mm-hmm. And you watched seven minutes, 20 of it, half an hour, the whole thing, yeah. repeat, whatever. Uh, so that's a classic. Modern day, School of Rock. School of Rock, Jack Black, Jam. Jables. Mm-hmm. Just an epic movie. You know Leif Babin's brother's in School of Rock. Oh, for, what yep. do you mean? He plays, he's, he's, he's in, in it. He plays movie. Spider. Jack. He plays Spider. Leif cool. Babin's brother, Lucas Babin. The highlight of his life, <laughs> his peak of his life. Sweet. He plays Spider, this 
lanky, tall guitarist that takes Jack Black's place. Lace brother is a lanky, tall guy. Yes. Lace brother is a lanky, tall guy with black hair, by the way. Is this full brother? Yep. Full brother. Kids turn out a little bit different sometimes. I understand. But School of Rock, and, and part of the reason I know I've watched that more than 10 times, because I'm not into kids' movies, mm-hmm. but sometimes my kids were into kids' movies, and once that movie came out, it was like, okay, we got something we all can watch. Yeah. You know, we're, it's Jack Black, Jables, getting after it. Sure. All kinds of good music in there, mm-hmm. musical instruments, j- jokes about music, underlying themes. It's just an epic movie, School of Rock. Check it out. Let your kids watch it. And then the, I don't know what the winner is. The thing is Jaws, as far as numbers of times watched, Mm -hmm. Jaws has an advantage over them all because I spent at least probably two, three years where we had one movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That was it. Yeah. To this day, like the first time I let my kids, or the first time my kids watched, I just sat there and knew every word, knew everything. Okay. I was actually going to ask you that exact thing where do you think you know every word? I would have to do a refresher right, right now. Right, if right. you gave me yeah. three, uh, three times through it, yeah, yeah. I'd be good to go. Yes, I'd, be, I'd be lip syncing, <laughs> lip syncing to that whole thing. Makes sense. And then the last one I'm gonna say here is, and this might be the winner overall, with the exception possibly of Jaws only because it had such a head start, mm-hmm. Big Lebowski. I don't know how many times I've watched it, but it's a lot of times. There was a time where my wife and I would get, like we would, wind down our evenings mm-hmm. watching Big Lebowski. So this is, I've never been a big cable guy, like a big TV guy, mm-hmm. like, hey, let's go on the TV. Even right now when I turn on the TV, mm-hmm. well now we have streaming, but even that, it's like, there's nothing I actually really wanna watch. So, but the Big Lebowski, I, I know I wanna watch it. So we used to just call, you know, we'd get, you know, end of the day, yeah. get done, you know, with work, get done with the jujitsu get done maybe eating a little something, and then, oh, we're gonna, this is before we had kids, oh, what are we gonna do? Well, we're just gonna chill out, we're gonna throw in the the Big Lebowski. So does she like the Big Lebowski as much as you, or is she just along for the ride? Maybe not as much as me, because I really (laughs) liked it a lot, but she definitely liked it, or likes it, you know? And we still watch it, now now the cool thing is, my older kids all watch it, quote it, you know, like, there's Lebowski jokes in our family. My youngest daughter, she's probably going to get to watch, you know, because you you start to sl- you start to loosen up the the constraints on the younger kids when they're later in the in the grouping of sure. children. Yep. So she's probably going to get to see it probably this year. You know, she's thirteen. Yeah. That makes so, sense. So there you go. Those are some movies that I've seen more than ten times. Yep. And I just was thinking. I bet the list of movies that you've seen more than 10 times, I bet I don't like any of those movies. I think, well, I know you'll like some, but I would agree with you for the most Mm -hmm. part because none of these are like Jaws I've seen a few times and I'm like, cool. I was too scared. I was scared to watch Jaws. Well, I was a little kid Mm -hmm. when it came out. So was I. Let's face it. Yeah. No. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was. It came out in 75. Okay. I was four. Well, I was zero. I was definitely less than 10. Yeah. 
Definitely less than To me, it was scary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I remember watching it, and it was scary. Platoon, never saw. Sorry. Apocalypse, now. I saw, like, parts Scary's of Scary's The Exorcist. When I was a kid, that was a scary movie, and I watched that thing. I probably, I, actually, that, that should have made the list. Definitely watched The Exorcist more than 10 times. Yeah. That's a crazy scary movie. Yeah. Yeah, so, you, I mean, maybe Ace Ventura I've seen a few times. That's it. Big Lebowski, my brother, really likes that movie, mm-hmm. but I've seen it all the way through zero times so yeah you're right but here okay well here's the thing i'll tell you i'll tell you mine and and i'll predict whether or not i think you saw more like them okay Mm all right i'm not going chronologically i'm going by like i know that i see i can say every word okay Mm -hmm. tremors one zero i've never seen the whole thing i can already tell i don't like it i remember the advertisements it's Kevin Bacon, big yeah, underground worm. I know worm, what it is. Worms. Yep. Okay. Big worms. I mean, come yeah, yeah, yeah. on, bro. Okay. The, the, the freaking <laughs> idea behind the movies you like are freaking stupid. Okay. All right, okay. All right. Next. All right. I dig it. Okay. Terminator 1 and 2 equally. I've probably seen Terminator 1 at least two or three times. Yeah. yeah Terminator 2, I know I saw it in the theater, but I don't mm-hmm. think I ever saw it. Maybe I saw it again after that once or twice, but those are not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not putting that one in the in the videotape machine to watch. Yeah. So okay. So Terminator one and two are probably the just overall the best movies in my opinion mm-hmm. probably ever made. <laughs> and as far as and I'm not saying like yeah, the yeah, only one. Yeah, I'm yeah, saying that it's like man, if they, there's a top tier situation going mm-hmm. on, brother, they're strong, like kind of irrefutable in my opinion. Okay. No, it's to the point where like now when they came out with like Terminator 3 and 4, man, it it like, it kind of makes me emotionally unhappy because of the letdown. Because they didn't hit the mark. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, okay. Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Yep. I've seen that. I actually probably have seen that 10 times. Yeah. Yep. John Milius, you know, credit. You know, it's weird. You start seeing some things kind of run together here. You know, Apocalypse Now is John Milius. Um and and the Big Lebowski, the character Walter Sobchak is based on John Milius. So we got some weird you know, some layers here. Got some yeah. layers going on. Okay, but Conan, yeah, credit. But still, I remember going to see Conan the Destroyer two, or Conan the Barbarian two. No, it's just called Conan the Destroyer. Conan the Destroyer was that in so number two? So there's Conan the Barbarian. Then oh. it was Conan the I Destroyer. I saw Conan two, the Destroyer in the theater, yeah. and it was awful. I yeah, remember thinking you know, it was awful. They got carried away, I think, yeah. with some things for sure. Okay. But still, in my opinion, a fun one. But yeah, no, I'm not going to. It's not in the same league as Conan Bar- okay. Barbarian. So okay. we can go with, uh, we have a, a slight overlap with Conan. Yes. A slight That's overlap with Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, this one I know you probably maybe not even ever heard of. Memento. Yes, I have heard of it. I watched it. I liked it. You know, I remember it being a decent movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was good. Okay, uh, Training Day. Watched it, probably seen it maybe maybe two, three times. Liked it, good movie. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and then I would say Scarface, but that was like a phase, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I still watch it. Seen it. I've seen it multiple times. Solid movie for sure. Yes, approved. Fight Club. Fight Club, yes, seen it. A few times, liked it for sure, credit approved. Okay, there's a movie called Dogma. Have you ever heard, see, heard, heard it? of that? Uh, this is by the guys that made Clerks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen yeah. it, saw it in the movie theater, I believe. So if I say, oh, I saw that in the movie theater, that's yeah. a thing. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not going to go and see something in a theater unless there's a reason why I'm going right. to see it in the theater. Like, I went and saw 
Pulp Fiction in the theater because mm-hmm. I knew, you know, Quentin Tarantino. I love Reservoir Dogs. Like I've seen Reservoir Dogs. I don't. Have, that's another one that should be on the list. I've seen Reservoir Dogs. I don't know how many times I've seen Reservoir Dogs. I've seen Pulp Fiction dozens and dozens of times. Huh. So Tarantino in the game for sure. Yeah, for sure. You ever watched Desperado? Yeah, I, I probably watched it. Didn't probably like it too much. That's weird, man, because you like Pulp Fiction and, and Reservoir Dogs, which I like. No, Desperado ended up being a vampire movie type No, thing. no, that's from Dust Till Dawn, okay, which yeah. is, to me, Desperado freaking is 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 good. Okay. Really good. From Dust Till Dawn, you know, quality-wise, it was like it was a crazy movie and, mm. and fun for mm. sure, but still legit, legit, in my opinion, as far as entertainment goes. Jack. Then Reservoir Dogs, super, like high-quality Pulp Fiction, high quality, but I didn't get into them as much. Mm. I just so remembered another universe. movie, uh, two movies. So there's a movie called Suburbia yeah. when I was a kid. Mm. Do you remember that movie? Uh, I, yeah, but I don't. They made a remake of it. It was terrible. Okay. But Suburbia was remember. like an old school punk rock movie. Mm. And when that movie came out, I don't know when it came out, but we, I somehow got that and I was like, oh yeah, that's the, you know, that yeah. was, there, there's these weird veins of my brain, right? Mm-hmm. The rebellion thing. And then there was another movie called Repo Man, mm. which was another that had like punk rock in the soundtrack and yeah. stuff. So that was like a, and it had some, some essence of punk rock scenes happening in there. And so I was, I watched that movie a bunch of times, but Suburbia yeah. I watched all kinds of times. A freaking good movie, man. The remake they made, I couldn't even barely sit through it. Yeah, I probably am paying attention to the remake then, mm. probably, because it, it feels like it, it wasn't that old. No, no, you'd know. The re, the original one was old, yeah, like yeah. 80s. Like when you watch it now, it's on one of those square screens type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah. that, like the two to three ratio? Yeah, two to three, one even, to one. Yeah, yeah one to one. Not school. quite one to one, but it's like a two to three ratio. Yeah, yeah. Super cheesy. <laughs> no, man, but it's a freaking film. good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so what about mainstream? Like, because there's mainstream movies that, that to me are like, man, I understand why they're so popular. Like, Star Wars, the first, mm. like, Star Wars, A New Hope, basically it's yeah. part four, five, five, and six. New Hope, Return yeah. of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. Probably the most mainstream things that I like is like Saving Private Ryan, mm. and then Band of Brothers, which I know is not a movie, it's a series. The Pacific, which I know is not a movie, it's a series. But those might be the most mainstream movie the most mainstream movie that i like might be saving private ryan because that's a that's a that was a huge successful movie what movies did you just say star wars star wars i you know i'm not a fantasy guy like i'm not a sci-fi guy i I just not it's not my thing okay yeah yeah like jason gardner be reading about dragons and wizards and stuff (laughs) i i just can't i I can't do it. And Jason Gardner and I have a ton of stuff in common. We like the same music. We like the same freaking like scene. We like a lot of the same stuff. And he's out reading about wizards. I'm over like it just it just doesn't fly with me. And I love Jason. Jason's my brother. And it's again, this is the guy that I have all kinds of stuff in common with. We were in, in the freaking SEAL teams at the same time. We grew up in a similar way in the hardcore. Like all that stuff is the same. But a brother's out freaking casting spells. <laughs> Uh, but yeah okay yeah and then there's all these other ones that are like super good i've seen a million a bunch of times like golden child uh beverly hills got like a lot of eddie murphy Mm, funny ones the eddie murphy stuff was good man yeah the early ones yeah trading places 48 hours oh how about lethal you might you might probably like lethal weapon right yeah Yeah, come on (laughs) see that's another movie i watched that i was like oh what's this you know this guy is who i want to be yeah yeah that makes sense i want to be the we used to joke about this. Uh, I want to be the guy, the you know, burned out 
burned out seal on the ragged edge. <laughs> like that's who you want to be when you're wait, a kid. Wait, you want to be that. Wait, was Riggs a Navy SEAL? He was special forces. Yeah, of some yeah. Kind. yeah. He was like yeah, special sniper, operations like guy. Sniper. Sniper. Uh, what about Predator One? Yeah, you know Predator One. You know no, we got to undeniable. Give some, Come on, uh, yeah, got to give credit to Predator One for Predator. sure. It was a good, Holy good, God. solid movie. Yeah, that's another one that kind of made the rounds for sure. Yeah, Lethal Weapon. I remember seeing Lethal Weapon, and that that definitely moved. That, that was a good movie. Oh, it got yeah. me fired up. Riggs. <laughs> he's telling those stories, those freaking stories. And what's interesting, he's telling, he's talking about Nam. Yeah, you know, because that movie was made in the. 80s. Yep. So Nam was only 15 years old. So yeah. it actually made sense. Yeah, he said, I did a guy in Laos from yeah, however. There you I, go. You know. He's freaking trying to be Tilt. <laughs> trying to get his John Stryker Meyer on. John Stryker Meyer was like, oh, yeah. hey, bro, I'm over here writing, you know, in a newspaper. Yeah. I actually did whack a guy in Laos. Yeah. That's what freaking <laughs> Tilt's freaking in the game. <laughs> it must have been weird for Tilt to watch all those cheesy movies. Yeah, huh? Yeah, making. Yeah, I'm sure that's like that's how it is. I would imagine anyway. Mm. If someone's making a movie about you and then you're watching it, you're like, "There's a movie called Hurt Locker." Yeah, and it got all like you know a bunch of award. I think it actually won like what's the biggest award you can get? Best picture. Sure. I think it won that award. Mm. And I watched it, and it was it was it was legitimately not good. Not that good. I I I wanted to like it, Mm. but it was legitimately it just didn't make sense. It was weird. Uh, maybe I need to watch it again. I might have been jaded at the time because I think it came out. You know, when I think it came out when I was still active duty. I remember, I remember it was on a plane I was flying on. Yeah, and so I put on the headphones. I was like, okay, I'm gonna check out this movie, and I didn't even watch the whole thing, which is a statement when you're on a plane with a captive audience and you don't watch Cap- a whole movie. Yeah, that's, that's kind of jacked up, right? Yeah, you walk out. All right. By the way, on top of all this, I can't believe I I am saying this right now. Charles Bronson. The Charles Bronson movies, I left out the entire category of Charles Bronson movies because they were such, I, I'm remembering this right now, Charles Bronson was a part of my entire life. Yeah. Death Wish, Mr. Majestic. The movie The Mechanic, which is my favorite Charles Bronson movie, I had every mo- every word to that memorized. I watched that thing over and over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Again, this was a guy that was, you know, former hitman on the ragged ends. I loved those movies when I was a kid. So mm. Charles Bronson should be at the top of the list for movies watched. Mm. I had the, me and Bozak stole the freaking poster from the theater of Death Wish 5 or whatever it was. And I had it in my room. Mm. So, right, kind of puts, um, puts into perspective how many, because we're talking about kind of older movies. Yeah. You know how many freaking movies there are? And no, they're yeah, all there's a lot. good. Like, yeah. man. You know what, though, also, we watched, I, I watched the movie E.T. recently. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, didn't yeah. keep it together, man. Yeah. My daughter, who's, who was 11 or 10 at the time, she, she was laughing at it like it was dumb. Yeah. I was kind of surprised. I was, I was, and I was agreeing with her. Yeah. It was not good. It didn't hold, what was it? Hold up. It didn't hold up. Right. It didn't. Stand the test. Didn't stand the test. Of time. You ever uh, you watch Gremlins? Remember that one? Gremlins. Not, not my scene, bro. That, that one kind of still holds up, in my opinion. Come on, bro. You can't feed them. It didn't even hold up for me back then. So <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like that's your t- yeah, your type. Not my jam. Yeah, yeah. There's, um, a, there's a lot. So Charles, I mean, I had a freaking band that was called Bronson's Children. Yeah. So the fact that I didn't think about that is embarrassing. But Charles yeah, Bronson. CB, Chuck. All right, let's get some questions. 
Although we could talk about movies a bunch more, Apparently. of course. But yes. Um, okay. First question. I'm 26 year old and recently moved into a managerial role with the company I work for. We're a machine shop, a small company at 12 employees. Since I took over this position, the guys spend more time talking, shooting the breeze, and not being productive. We still meet our deadlines and work hard, but as soon as there is any slack, they quickly go into their lazy mode. My question is, how much of this can be tolerated? Also, how to correct this without turning into the bad guy? I recognize the value, the value in having a tight-knit group, but the extra time could still be spent being productive with machine maintenance and other things. How should I approach this? Thank you. Well, it's good you have the awareness of what's going on. Um, you got guys that work hard and get the deadline done, but then they kind of clown around. This isn't a panic scenario, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't a panic scenario. This isn't like, oh my God, what am I going to do? This is a test of my leadership. No, you got people that are getting the job done, doing hard work when the hard work needs to get done. If people don't have work to do, busy work is not the answer. Mm -hmm. I used to tell my guys when I was working at Tradeet, if you don't have anything to do, don't do it here. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning if you're done with your work, get out of here, go spend time with your family. It's different when you're working an eight hour type day. And so let's keep that in mind. Keep in mind that you're in a good situation where you have people that get the job done and they still have fun and they and they joke around and all that. Now what you have to watch out for is that they might be testing you to see what kind of room they can get, how hard they can push you. And so what you have to be careful of here is you need to draw the line, and I use that term with a little bit of apprehension because I don't mean draw the line like, hey, listen, this is the new rule. I'm not talking about that. But you need to, you need to, you need to push back at the right time gently earlier rather than later. Mm. Earlier rather than later. So you don't want to wait until them shooting the shit for – you know, 10 minutes, you don't want to wait until that turns into a half an hour yeah, yeah. and we got a real actual problem. You know, if 10 minutes is kind of the standard, then how can you say, uh, how can you start to say, hey, have we gotten everything done? Now you talk about maintenance, right? Machine maintenance. What I would do is take a, a situation like this and say, you know, talk about, hey, you know, when we get these breaks, you know, when we get done, like, let's make sure we're getting the ma machines maintained. And then how can you game? How can you game gamify that a little bit, right? Hey, looks like hey, looks like we got some spare time. Let's get the maintenance done now, so we can take you know a little bigger break this afternoon. Like, how can you just have some fun with it? Mm -hmm. um, you want to be a part of the group, by the way. Just because you're in a leadership position doesn't mean you're separate from the group. It doesn't mean you're 100% part of the group doesn't mean there's no distance between you, but to be a part of the group, to sit down there when they're talking for 10 minutes, if you're there talking with them, guess what? When you say, hey, you know what? I got to get back to work. You actually influence them. Mm. If you're not part of the group, you don't have any influence over them. So I would, I would lead sort of by suggestion. I would be part of the group. I would be careful. Again, there's a line, right? You got you to gotta make sure that you keep enough pressure on the team so that they feel like, okay, we got some boundaries here. Mm. Hopefully you don't get to a point where you have to write the boundaries in the sand because that means you're imposing on them, which is not the best way to lead. Mm. I'd rather be like, hey, if, hey, if we're gonna sit around and shoot the shit, you know what, we gotta get the maintenance done first. Mm -hmm. Or hey, are we caught up on our, on our machine maintenance? 
Because if we got time to shoot the shit right now, let's get it done. Let's talk while we work. Something like that, where you're being cool. You're not. You're not taking a direct approach. You're taking an indirect approach. You're continuing to form relationships with the teams. You're continuing to realize that. What would you rather have? Somebody that works for four hours straight and is mad and is not as productive as they could be, or someone that works for three hours, three and a half hours, gets the same amount done and actually has a good time while they're doing it. Mm. Who? What team's gonna win? Yeah. What team's gonna win when the pressure comes? The team that has a good time together. Yeah. Especially when you gamify something. When you say, hey, we just got a big order from our client. We need to get all this stuff done today. Let's knock this out. Boom, and all of a sudden you got people in the game. Mm-hmm. So conform to influence, use the indirect manner, form relationships with the team, make sure that you recognize when they're starting to push up against you, when they're trying to test you. You don't have to give them a hard check, but you need to apply pressure back. Mm-hmm. Give them a little bit of a, like, mm, it's about the limitations there. Mm. Smack them. Somebody, somebody, somebody pushes up against you, you don't punch them in the face. Mm-hmm. Might just say, put your hand up and give them a little pushback. Just get them in their box. Mm. That's what I'm saying. Good question. Push. All right, next question. Hi, Echo and Jocko. I recently received some heavy criticism at work from a coworker in our customer service department. They were upset. They were upset that the mistakes me and my team, R&D team, are making are making them look bad to customers because they have have to deliver news about mistakes. One of the issues they brought up was my lack of teamwork. I made it made me wonder what other guys' thoughts are on the difference between ownership, leadership, teamwork and teamwork or if they if there really is a difference at all i see ownership as stepping up and fixing my problems leadership as getting my team to work together and fix our problems but where does that leave teamwork it is distinct it it is is it a distinct thing to focus on or will focusing on leadership up down side to side interdepartmental the chain of command the, to be be considered teamwork my coworker acknowledged we communicate well, but I just keep making mistakes. Is making enough mistakes even when communicating about them, owning up to them, and working on permanent solutions enough to impact leadership? Thanks for all the guidance. <clears throat> so, what do you say? Um, makes me wonder. Makes me wonder. Mm. What makes me wonder is I wonder if you've read the book Extreme Ownership. Mm. Because if you've read the book Extreme Ownership, which you know you may or may not have, but you're talking about ownership, you're talking about leadership, but the four laws of combat, cover, move, simple, prioritize, and execute, decentralized command, the first law of combat is cover and move, which is teamwork. And it's not a coincidence that it's the first law of combat. It is the first law of combat for a reason. It is the foundation of, of leadership is teamwork, is working together as a team, is mutually supporting the other people that are inside your organization. And these type of examples that you're talking about are the exact type of examples that we talk about all the time, which is uh, when the R&D team fails, it actually is a failure for the sales team as well because now they gotta go out and explain how we failed. So it's when your team fails, everybody fails. Just like if you were making cool stuff, in the RD department, but the sales team couldn't sell it to anybody. It would be bad for them, but it'd be bad for you too, because now we don't have any money coming in, now we don't have jobs anymore. So 
unless we all work together, we all fail. So do we talk about teamwork? Yes, it is literally the first law of combat leadership. Cover and move, which is teamwork. As far as making mistakes, making mistakes and then owning them, yeah, that's, that's what you have to do. And then you have to fix them, which you mentioned. You mentioned that you work together to fix the problems. That's good. That's what you're supposed to do. Taking ownership of problems alone doesn't fix them. You, you have to take ownership of them, take ownership of finding a solution, take ownership of implementing a solution. And what was the other point in here? The, the, the idea of is, is that good enough leadership? Is working on permanent solutions good enough to impact leadership? If you're failing the mission, you're failing as a leader. So I could have a platoon commander that really likes to lead and he really likes to talk to the guys and communicate up and down the chain of command and he really likes to build a great culture. That's wonderful. If he doesn't get the mission done, what good is he to me? What good is he to his team? What good is he to the organization? So we have to actually get the mission done. When we're in a leadership position, we we are responsible for executing the mission. Do we wanna have a great culture? Yes. Will a great culture help us accomplish the mission? Yes, it will. Will taking care of our people help us accomplish the mission? Yes, it will. Will having great communication up and down the chain of command help us accomplish the mission? Yes, it will. So we're doing those things, and that's the right way to lead, but the reason we're doing those things and the reason we're the right way to lead is because they help us accomplish the mission. If I don't communicate well, if we have a horrible culture, we're probably not gonna accomplish the mission anyways. But if you think you're doing the right things, but you're not successful in executing the mission, we gotta figure out what you are doing wrong as a leader. Because there's, no, because there's no bad teams, only bad leaders. And when one of my squads or one of my platoon commanders failed to accomplish the mission, I wouldn't, I didn't talk to them about, hey, uh, what, did your, what did your frontline guy do wrong? No, it's like, what did you do wrong as the leader? And then what did I do wrong trying to support you? What didn't I give you? What could I have done better so that you understood how to execute this mission? So the other thing I would say about this is it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, 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 a thought that is close. It's not perfect, but it, it made me think about this. So in the SEAL teams, when you get done with an operation, the first thing you do is you maintain and, and, and clean the Navy gear or whatever that is. You get done with that Navy gear, then you take care of the team gear whatever the team had. So if you go out on a, you, you use some small boats from the SEAL team, when you get back, you clean those boats first. Then you clean and maintain the platoon boats. Then you clean and maintain the weapons, your weapon and your life jacket and your wetsuit. And when you get done taking care of everything else, then you take care of yourself. But listen to this, it doesn't only apply to you yourself. If Echo, if you're in a platoon and I'm in a platoon, and we go do, do a joint mission together, when we get back, I'm gonna take care of your platoon before I take care of my own. Mm. Which seems strange, but that's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna, we're gonna think of others first. We're gonna think of others first. Because that's how we build good relationships. Because if I help you, Echo, then I know that you're taken care of. That's gonna help us win. Now I can take care of myself too. You can help me or not, doesn't matter. I'm not helping you so you help me. I'm helping you because I want us to win and I know I can control my own fate. 
but I can't control your fate. I can't control, if you don't do what you're supposed to do for your platoon, if you guys don't clean your boats, if you guys don't clean your engines, we go on another mission, your engines fail. Mm. The only way I can influence that is by saying, hey, let us get your, let, let's, let us help you guys get your engines taken care of right now, boom. Mm. So I'm gonna take care of the external people. I'm gonna take care of the other teams. I'm gonna make sure everyone's supported. Then I focus on mine. Does this mean I leave my team out to dry? No, absolutely not. Does it mean I don't protect my team? No, absolutely not. Does it mean I grind my team into the dirt and and do all of Echo's stuff and then my guys are working three times harder than Echo? No, that's not what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm talking about the principle of taking care of other people and taking care of other teams before I take care of my own. That is a legitimate thing to do. Because that's how we build relationships. That's how we mutually support each other. That's how we end up with a team that unifies and moves forward and accomplishes the mission. So there you go. Sounds like you're on the path. Work that teamwork, man. Gotta work that teamwork. What do we got? Next question. Next question. Jocko, two questions. Do you have any recommendations for how a beginner should go about learning guitar? That's the first question. Mm-hmm. Second question, would you be interested? I would be interested in your opinions on your favorite gun brands slash models or preferred weapon systems for home defense, SHTF scenario. What is SHTF? Shit hits the fan. Oh, gotcha. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Have you talked? Is that a military term? I mean, is that a, like, did you just figure that out or what? It might be a military term, but I've been hearing it for so long. I don't know where, I don't know what yeah. the origin that's great. I, I don't think I've ever of that term is. That one. And I'm down for the, what do you call these, an ac- acronym, mm-hmm. whatever. All right. Anyway, uh, have you talked about this already in previous podcasts? Thanks. Okay. Uh, guitar. Look, old school, you take lessons. Number one, get a guitar tuner. I, I, when I got guitars when I was younger, I never had a guitar tuner, which was a problem because when you don't have a guitar tuner, your guitar's not in tune. And when your guitar's not in tune, everything you play sucks and you just don't you just don't get it. So get a guitar tuner when you get a guitar. And then, look, you can take lessons. I can tell you that I never took lessons and I wish I would have. Nowadays, you can take lessons online. You can do YouTube. And I have known people that have gotten extremely good extremely quickly on YouTube, including my kid, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like my son, during COVID, he just started playing. He, he, I tried to get him to play guitar all the time when he was growing up, mm-hmm. just like whatever. And then, and then during COVID, all of a sudden, the the, the Gibson SG in my room. Oh, one day yeah. it was not in my room. Yeah. So set up a Red Star cluster, set security in motion, located the guitars in my kid's room. He's down there. He's down there on a Zoom call with school because they had everyone not going to school. And he's got he's got his teacher on one Zoom screen. And the other Zoom screen is YouTube. Mm-hmm. And his teacher's on mute, and he's on mute, <laughs> and YouTube's on full blast, and he's learning to play Metallica. And go. in a very short period of time, he got better than I, in like six months, he was better than I am at guitar. Yeah. And I've been playing my whole life. Yeah. Why? I don't practice enough, and I don't, I don't practice with the right intention. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, sir. I and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a bad person when it comes to practicing. I like to do what I like to do, and I kind of, like same thing with jujitsu. You know what I'll do? Roll. Yeah. You know what I'll do with guitar? Play. Yeah. I, so practice is what will make you good and intentional practice is what will make you good. Bro, YouTube is such a It's amazing. Like it it's all I wanna say it's like such an underrated resource, but I don't think it is underrated. Mm. I think a lot of people know like where yeah. man, you 
any online i mean now there's a lot more online actual structured classes yeah, for yeah, stuff yeah. which is which is cool too yeah. but man youtube is like one of those right you can learn anything straight up yeah you want to have fun when you're doing this you know but you got to have some level of discipline to learn the techniques and learn the notes on the fretboard i didn't learn yeah. the notes on the fretboard until i had covid <laughs> which is a pathetic thing <laughs> Yeah. It's a pathetic thing. I didn't learn. I just yeah. would be like, I didn't even really a hundred percent know the chords, the name of the chords. I just knew yeah. to play them. Yeah, this is embarrassing to say. By I, the way. I get it. I mean, I, I get what you're saying for sure. But it, if you have like a goal, like a guitar playing goal, and then you're <sighs> neglecting certain yep. elements of learning, then it's like, okay, bro, come on, you gotta kind of, mm-hmm. you gotta be more grown up about it. Yep. But no, if you're you're just jamming because jamming is fun. Yeah, I know. But let's face it. That's a weak. That's a that's a big excuse from me. It's me saying, okay, yeah, you know what? You, I just yeah. like to jam, and it's, it's just fun. Yeah. Let's face it. You never watch someone rip on guitar and think, ah, I wouldn't. I'm glad I can't do that. Yeah, I know, but that's not. No, the you same watch thing. somebody shredding your no. guitar, and you're like, I'm an idiot. Nah, I'm a, yeah. I lack discipline. I it's horrible. I understand. So, listen. Practice is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Intentional practice, and then make it fun by learning like music, man. What's well, a good song? You can just go learn songs. You yeah. can go learn songs, and that makes you better at guitar. However, I gotta say this: you don't want to be someone that's just a monkey that can imitate a song. You want to yeah. learn a little bit more about it. You want to understand a little bit more of the theory behind it. But you know what I think? What I'm starting to realize something about you right now. What? I feel like you either did or kind of do, maybe in the back of your mind, like have this vision of how you should approach a guitar. Mm-hmm. But you just, you know through the way your life is or whatever, mm-hmm. approached it in this other way, and you're kind of not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. <laughs> I know, not right? okay with it. it. Yeah, and put it this way. I, th- I think both are absolutely fine. Like, if you're like, hey, I have a goal, and I'm freaking not going to let myself down or whoever, whatever, and and then you get into it, and you really like it, but you don't like the hard parts of it, and so you're slacking. I'll tell you what, I wish goal. I would have had COVID for six months. Yeah, because when I had COVID, or I was practicing guitar, like I should be practicing guitar, but I also couldn't do anything else. Mm-hmm. I was in this lockdown scenario, whatever that was. Hey, man, ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yep. So, practice, be disciplined, have more discipline than me. Weak. Uh, home defense. The home defense question. Look, there's a bunch of different ways to go here. Is a shotgun great? Yes, it is. It's versatile. It's intimidating. You jack this slide on a shotgun. Every 99% of people in the human beings on the planet are going to run away. You use, you, you know, you use a scatter gun. You can, it's pretty easy to hit the target. Are there some downsides to it? Yeah. I mean, now you're, you've got to take a critical shot. You know, you, if you, unless you practice it all the time, there's some pros and cons. Handgun, sure. Good, small, easy to store. Uh, doesn't take up much room. If you not, if you don't shoot it a lot, you're not going to be very proficient. It's not easy to shoot a handgun. So there's some pros and cons to that, depending on the type of round that you get. It can have different levels of penetration. Then you gotta think about that as well. I've actually, you asked if we've talked about this, we have talked about this before. I, I kinda like the idea of a submachine gun for home defense, for inside the, why, why are you laughing? Uh, well, because that's- Do you understand what a submachine gun is? Yeah. What is it? The gun that you pressed on the trigger and it tricking, and it's smaller, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, like an automatic machine gun. Mm-hmm. Well, it's I, I know what you're saying, and I can, now I realize why you laughed. Because you think when I say submachine gun, you think machine gun, which is like yeah. oh, yeah. 
Bad but, guys coming but, in. But really, a submachine gun shoots a pistol round. So oh. they're not very powerful. So oh. they don't have a ton of penetration. The Heckler & Koch MP5, which is what we used to use during the teams, <laughs> Yeah. It's a submachine gun. It shoots a nine millimeter round. Mm-hmm. It is like the most accurate, easiest thing to shoot that's ever been well that I've ever shot. I mean, maybe there's, but it's it's super easy to shoot, super reliable. S- anyone could shoot that gun very easily. Has very low kickback. Yeah. It's easy to handle. It's light. It's just a really good, good gun. And if you got some one of those submachine guns, because a pistol is so much harder to shoot than a rifle. Mm. Just they're just so much harder to shoot and a sub but a rifle is going to kick. It's loud, the bullet has a ton of penetration. Mm. So there's some disadvantages in a home defense situation to have a to have a rifle, like mm. a combat rifle. So, combat rifles are very easy to shoot. Well, they're they're easy to hit. They're not as easy to shoot as a submachine gun. Yeah. You're also going to get a ton of penetration depending on what kind of ammunition you get with a with a rifle. As far as brands, different people like different types of the feel, certain mechanisms, they get used to it, you know? So as far as a brand, you got to kind of figure out what brand, what style you like. And then on top of all this, you have to figure out what's your environment, what your wall's made of. Are you, if your walls are made of, you know, concrete, like, you know, my house, you can shoot and you, you're you not going to get penetration. If you have a normal person's house, their walls are made of drywall. You're probably going to punch through. And if you miss the target that you're shooting at, where's that bullet going to go if you're shooting a rifle inside your house? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to get frangible rounds that are going to fall apart when they hit something? So there's there's options here. Hmm. So So here's the actual answer. What you need to do is become a tactical shooter on rifle on pistol on shotgun on submachine guns you need to learn you need to train you need to start to educate yourself so that you can assess the environment that you live in assess the like for instance if you live in an urban environment if you live in a townhouse are you do you want your neighbor to be shooting a a 7.62 self-defense rifle that's going to put rounds through the into your house no you don't want that but if you lived in a big open environment, if you lived in where there's grizzly bears, you might want to have a 7.62 in the house in case you've got to dump a grizz in the backyard. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So you got to do like, a, you got to learn this stuff so that you can make an assessment and you can have the right weapons for the scenario that you live in. There you go. Not everyone wants that Desert Eagle 50 cal like you got there, Echo Charlie. Man, it's practical. So what, party mix then? Are we doing the party mix or no? Party mix? It depends on the situation you're in. Party mix all day. Mm-hmm. Next question. Hey, Jocko and Echo. I'm a lead counselor at a program for troubled youth, and it's such an awesome and rewarding job. I have a supervisor who is an amazing guy and great leader. We have a great relationship and I value his opinion, but at my job, it's essential that he's present during the week because of the many ins and outs of the juvenile legal system. He has to sign off on things and approve important items regarding the the youth on a daily basis, but he has been more and more absent during the week and even shows up three to four hours later than he is supposed to. I I know he has a lot of stressors at home and is always helping out others, so he's a busy guy. I don't want to add to to the stress on his plate, but... 
I need them to be present in order for the program to run smooth and to get the youth to help the help they need. What's the best way to approach him with this without overstepping or offending him and possibly hurting our relationship, especially because he is the big boss. Okay, so check it out. We just talked about this first law of combat leadership, cover and move. That goes up, down, across the chain of command. So what we have right now is somebody that's got some stuff going on at home, stressors, busy. Maybe he's getting uh, problems in, in, in there and he needs to deal with some stuff at home. Or maybe he's just getting you know, to a point where he doesn't feel compelled to come in all the time because he's it wears on you. You know, you got these troubled youth and it starts to take a toll on him. Whatever the case may be, how do we cover for him? We want to cover for this guy. We want to help him. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take ownership of the situation. Does this mean I'm going to say, hey, boss, you haven't been showing up. This is a problem. No, I don't say that at all. I say, hey, boss, I think I've done a bad job of communicating with you about how to make sure we do the following items and, and support the, the, the youth in the proper way. I know that sometimes you get caught up with some stuff because you got other things going on, and, and I get that. But I also know that there's items that we have to get done on a daily basis. So what I want to do is I want to make it easy for you. And so I want to make a time every day where I can present to you. I'm going to organize it. I'm going to get all the paperwork ready. And I want to be able to bring a package to you whenever, you're, whenever it's convenient for you that I can get to your location. If you're here, cool. If you're not here, that's fine. I can come to your location. I can give you a quick briefing on what's going to happen, take five, 10 minutes and get the paperwork signed that we need to get signed. So that's what you do. You come up with a plan, you take ownership of it, come up with a schedule on how to make this happen, and then you execute on it. And you even make contingency plans. Say, hey boss, here's what's going on. I know that you can't, you know, you might not always be here. I actually want to set up for, you know, Bill over here to have power of authority, or what's that, power of attorney, mm. or authorization to sign these documents as well. That way you don't have to be here. That's a, that's a great answer. Mm. Hey, can can someone else get the authority to do this? But there's a chance maybe that's not feasible. If it's not feasible, okay, no factor. We set up a schedule, and I will deliver this stuff, or you, you know, you're gonna be here every day by noon, come in to check on the kids at lunch, as soon as we're done with lunch, we're gonna walk out, I'm gonna have everything staged on your desk with a pen sitting there ready for you to sign, ask me any questions, I'll have the answers. So that's what I would do. Take ownership of it, figure out a solution, uh, a schedule, make it as easy as you possibly can for him to do his job. Time for one more movie conversation. I kinda wanna start talking about the movies again. I feel like we didn't go really that deep into any but, movie. True. No, we didn't. That wasn't the goal. We're not going to start breaking down. We do a Jocko podcast on Raging Bull. There's a five-hour podcast about each particular shot and the manuscript and everything. Maybe that should have been the goal. Okay. Just saying. Just rethink it. You know. I took a class one time in college. Thought it was going to be super easy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> what was it? Was it was called. It was called um, film and literature. I'm like, Bruh, yeah, we got yeah, this, yeah. All me. Yeah. And so I took this class. Bruh. It was books, thick ass books, <laughs> <laughs> thick-ass books. Thick ass books. So there's a book which mm-hmm. we should probably cover on the podcast. Somebody. It's no. called. It's called Tom Jones. A thick one. It's a thick book, mm-hmm. paper thin pages, 
totally dense mm-hmm. with words. Mm-hmm. I forget when it was written. It's a funny, funny book. The opening line of the book, maybe the first five lines of the book, but it's in the opening paragraph for sure. It says, this is a book about human nature. <laughs> we, got a, we got a quiz on the book. The mm-hmm. very first day that you know we, we got the book assigned, the yeah. next day we get a quiz on the book. The teacher asks, it was like a five, it was a five question test just to see if you did the reading, yeah, right? Yeah, a little quiz. The first question was, what is this book about? Yeah. And I didn't get it right. It's one of the only questions I missed in that whole freaking course because I always did the reading and I had done that reading, but I just breezed through that line. Yeah. What, so, um, what'd you put? What was the answer? Or you just didn't I, know? I think I, I think I'm, I did think I said, you know, this book is about. Um, you know, uh, a young woman and a young man who's, you know, gave kind of like a plot thing. Mm -hmm. And I think she actually gave me half credit because I had had this professor before and she knew that I was in the game. Like I was there to get A's. Like kind (laughs) of technically you weren't wrong, but technically not. But but no, I didn't get full credit. I know that because I know when I got done with that course, I had to always have that glaring just failure on my, on my record that I didn't get a hundred on the reading quiz. Yes, sir. Here's the interesting thing. Tom Jones, thick book, funny book, great book. It's hundreds and hundreds, probably probably four or five hundred pages long, real tiny writing, paper thin. Hated reading it, except for that it was funny. So we would read a book and then watch a movie that had been made about the book. Yeah. The book, I mean, sorry, the movie has no uh, no dialogue in it, no words. Hmm. The whole movie, it's it's just, what? just like acting. Whatever, yeah. not but talking. is it like an artsy movie where it's like it's no, it's absent? kind of a funny movie, mm. and it's kind of it's almost. You remember Benny Hill? No, it was like a British humor. A lot of it was just what do they call it? Slapstick humor. Sure. What's Slap it called? Stick. Slapstick. Slapstick. Tongue uh, in cheek. No, no, it's physical humor. Physical, oh, physical humor. comedy. Most yeah, of yeah. it was like physical comedy. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. And then there was a woman in the movie, and. And she was this, you know, kind of really voluptuous kind of woman. And I remember sure. the professor asked me something like, what's your assessment of this character? I'm like, that is the ideal woman. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, this book, very verbose book, mm-hmm. no words at all in the movie. Tom Jones, Tom jo- great so- book, great book about human nature. By the way, I think you should have known that that class wasn't going to be easy. You know why? Because of the word literature. So if it was just like film or the history of, but I was a literature. I was an English major, so I was used to getting hit with books. But I thought we'd watch some movies too. That's your bad right there. Yeah, anything like words like um, writing intensive. The word intensive, bro, you got to you gotta know what you're getting Mm. into. Uh, Anything with the word literature, anything with the word, um, you know. English. <laughs> <laughs> You're putting yourself on report. Uh, just, I'm not saying they're going to be hard. I'm not going to say they're going to be easy. I'm just saying we got to know what we're walking into mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff. That's okay. all I'm saying. So if it was like, hey, the history of movies or whatever. Yeah. Eh, <laughs> see what I'm saying? I'm just saying. History of movies or whatever. Oh. All right, let's get to this last question. All right. <clears throat> I have recently become a high school football coach. It has only been maybe five years since the last time I was involved in the football program, but the attitude of the kids has drastically changed, i.e. lack of effort, lack of dedication. My question is, how should I motivate these young adults 
to become disciplined and give their effort give the effort required for the for the sport without having them quit. Our program cannot afford to lose any players. Mm-hmm. Um, first, just out of the gate, give them ownership. That's number one. Give them ownership. Actually, let me say out of the gate, the attitude of the kids. Look what you got. What were they? What were you dealing with in 1969 when there was hippies and freaking rebels and yippies and all that stuff? What, what those coaches were just? It was too easy for them. What about in the in the mid 70s when people were doing quaaludes and they had long hair and they were listening to Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath came on the scene? What those kids? Just, what you see what I'm saying? What about in the 90s when gangster rap came out? And the football players will listen to that, or the heart. Like, you see what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. kids are little rebellious kids. Human beings have their own desire to be autonomous and have freedom, and that's what they're. That's what they want. And the by the way, the obedient kid that you think you want, you don't want. You don't want that kid. I didn't want a. I didn't want a seal that was obedient automatron. I didn't want that. That robot. I want a free-thinking person. So, how can we get them in the? How can we help them see that? Well, first of all, they don't want to be robots, so don't treat them like robots. Treat them like people. Treat them like people with brains. Give them ownership. Let them come up with a plan. Let them figure out how we can best be a victorious team. Talk to them about. Listen, what do you all think we need work on? What do you think is the best way to do conditioning? Who thinks we shouldn't do conditioning? Who thinks it would be a good for, now see where I'm going with this, right? It's not like we're not alive. What do you guys not want to win games? Mm-hmm. Is there anyone on the team that says, you know, we shouldn't do any conditioning? But if you just impose conditioning on them, they don't like it as much. Might feel good as a coach. Might feel good to push them. Yeah. But if you actually say, hey, team captain, who's the team captain? How about we get the team captain of the game? How about we appoint two people to be in charge of conditioning? How about we appoint, appoint someone else to be in charge of freaking uh, tackle drills? And you let them come up with it. Are they gonna come up with something that absolutely sucks? Let me ask you that. Probably there's, not. There's a possibility they might. Yeah. Most likely though, they're gonna figure out, hey, this is probably good enough, and they get them come up with a 70 or 80% solution, that's good enough, and they're running it. So that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do with human beings. We want to, as much as we can, want to give them control over their own destiny. We want to allow them to have input. We don't want to impose on people. By the way, if you have a team that the only way you can get them to do anything is by imposing it on them, that's not a team. It's not a good team, by the way. If you get them to step up, you get them to take ownership, you get them to come up with how, we're, how hard we're going to condition, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. They want they oh you don't like them because they seem to have their own ideas about things and that makes you mad. No, don't let it make you mad. Be 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 overjoyed that you got young kids that want to lead their own way of doing things. I love that. Mm. Like you get the kids, you get your you know you're talking to parents about kids. My kid is so freaking stubborn. Mm. Thankfully, thankfully you got a kid with strong will. That's what we want. You got an employee that wants to do things their own way? Great. How do you want to do them? You got a member of the team that doesn't want to do this type of conditioning? What type of conditioning do you want to do? 
You don't like this type of condition because it's because it, you don't think you oh no one's done this type of conditioning since the '60s. Cool. What do we do now? You don't think conditioning has improved since the '60s? It has. Your team might your your young team might know that. So there you go. Free your mind. Free your mind. Free your mind. Don't be authoritarian. I remember two elements of being playing football that mm-hmm. I really liked, or two elements, one that I really liked and one I really did mm-hmm. not like. So what I did like is anytime we'd be doing conditioning, there's a bunch of, I mean, conditioning is one of the junk parts about playing football. Mm-hmm. I hope I put it this way, not the junk parts, the not, not so enjoyable mm-hmm. parts. But anytime where we would be getting positive reinforcement and they would like, they would essentially indicate and, and say like why and remind us why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is the kind of stuff that wins game. You know, like yeah. the, the tradi- football tradition is very loud, mm-hmm. very yelling in your face, and, and you know, a real physical, even coach to player. And there's a time for that. Yeah, there's a time. You don't think I've ever when I was training MMA fighters, you don't think I ever freaking scream like you need to get up, get on. You know, yeah. yes, you need to do that sometimes. Yeah. Yes, you do. But yeah, and I don't mean it in a negative way. And by the way, I had some MMA fighters that it was like, oh, you, hey, if you, hey, why don't you tell me what you want to do? You know what they'd say? Nothing. And you know what they did? Lose. Right. So <laughs> yeah, and of course, the, the actually, you know what? One time we were training with uh, Tombstone Taylor, mm-hmm. Taylor, and I remember one time he seemed a bit frustrated. This is something I liked the, what you did. Mm-hmm. He seemed real frustrated with training or some for some reason I forget why or whatever, and you could tell he was mad and he and he expressed his anger or whatever, and you said. Hey, you will never be able to to like. What did he you say? You'll never be able to say someone works harder than you, or something like mm-hmm. that. It was something along those lines. Like, think about that, or something like that. I remember thinking that's the kind of stuff that makes you want to work hard, even when you're like, I'm kind of over this stuff. So a lot of times in football, that's what some of uh, some, some coaches that, that I'm remembering back where they would say this kind of stuff, and it'd be yelling, and it'd be really high energy. It wouldn't be negative; it's, mm-hmm. it's positive actually, where. Yeah, this is this is this is the kind of stuff that wins games. It's like this kind of stuff. Um, this is the kind of stuff that, uh, or or when you're in condition, you uh, you're unbeatable, or th- like th- th- these types right. of things, or whatever. Okay. The the stuff that I didn't like, and it showed too, because this freaking coach got fired. Um, well, the whole the whole staff got fired, but mm-hmm. whatever. He was one of them. So what he would do is. He wouldn't be encouraging at all, right? He'd make certain like drills hard. Like we'd have this drill for receivers where they put, um, if I can kind of paint this picture, it's like wheels, right? It has a motor. It mm-hmm. basically it's a machine that shoots balls at yeah, you, yeah, yeah. and you yep. got to catch. Yep. You got to catch it, and you can set that thing really high, right? Mm-hmm. So you can tell how that can build your skill. But when you push the limits with that thing. You're not going to be perfect with that thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So he'd push the limits, and then if you wouldn't catch the ball you would get punished for it. Mm-hmm. So not only would it be like, yeah, go run to the hill and back because you missed it. Run nails. Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. But for missing the ball. It's yeah. like we're here trying to get better, and when you push the limits, you make mistakes or whatever. You shouldn't get punished for that. It, mm-hmm. You should just get more reps as far as I'm concerned, but whatever. But not only that, he would yell at you, kind of like you you messed up. Like you messed up. So no one would really want to do that drill ever. Mm-hmm. 
And you'd see guys like they'd go when it's their turn, like they'd kind of slide to the back of the line. And, and do imagine that if stuff. his attitude was like, if you caught one of these really hard balls, he was like, that's right, Echo Charles, you got this. And exactly. then and then was all excited about it. You yeah. would want to do that drill. Oh, and by the way, your skill would be improving because you're you're catching these bullets. Yeah. And now when your regular quarterback throws it, you got that thing, no problem. Yeah. So you're right. This guy exactly. had a negative attitude, tried the beat down methodology yeah. instead of the uplifting methodology, which is not good. Yes. And no one would want to take chances. No one would want to be like, hey, let's um, let's do a hard drill to see who can actually be successful in this drill. Like you would, oh, that was just killed. In yeah. fact, the easier, the better as far as dealing with the coach, you know. So I always felt like it was a real relief when that guy wasn't the coach anymore, you know. Yep. Yep. So uh, he imposed things on you. And on top of imposing things on you, he – he he imposed them with a negative attitude. Yeah. So don't do that. It was always like your fault. You know, like that yeah. that stuff. It, even things Brutal. like, hey, who wants to do another one? You know what I mean? Like, hey, who's up for one more? Yeah. You know, like I see oh. that with MMA fighters. Like, who wants one more round? Guys are like, let's get it, you know? Yeah, but yeah. it's their decision. Right. And you know what? Occasionally they'd say, hey, hey, coach, I'm freaking done. And you know what you get? Hey, cool, man. Get some rest. Eat a steak. I used to say it all the time. Yeah. Take a day off or eat some steak. Yeah. But you give them that option. And now sometimes, look, sometimes you got to push someone. Mm-hmm. And believe me, there was plenty of times where like, dude, I'm not asking. You know, it's like, hey, next round, let's go. Let's get it. Stand up, hands up. That's what I say when the round was over. But stand up, hands up. Because you don't want people to get done with that freaking exhausting round number six. Yeah. And they want to lay there on the ground. Stand up, hands up. Yeah. And you just won. You won that round. Put your hands up. That's a big deal, by it's the way. It's a big deal. Because, like, wait. Becomes, t- becomes muscle memory. Yeah. Like, it's a mental. Okay. So, and try this, too. I do this, too, sometimes. You know when you do, like, a Metcon or something mm-hmm. like this, right? And you get one of those high-intensity ones where you're really trying to push your heart rate or whatever. So, you get, it's, like, essentially, like, like circuits or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So, sometimes I'll be like, man, this is my last circuit. So I'll finish the last exercise and my brain will automatically go to, okay, you're done, rest, right? Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it's almost like my whole body feels like, oh my gosh, like I'm so tired. There's no way I could do another one because I just laid it. I left it out, uh, you know, on the the field Mm -hmm. or whatever. It's not a field, but you know. But if you switch your mindset to be like, like a forward thinking mindset, where when you're done with that last rep, you're going to stand up like strong and uh, put effort into breathing, put effort into standing up strong or whatever. You don't even feel tired. Yeah. It's weird. Stand up, hands up. Stand up, hands up. Yeah. Well, a lot of guys do that, like uh, psychology coaches or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like they'll be like after a a round or after a circuit conditioning, whatever, they'll say like walk around like you just won the the fight. And in MMA, that's a real thing. Yes, sir. Because if I... If you you and I have a round and it's a close round and I, I we, the 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 bell sounds and I stand up like I won that round those coaches just saw me stand up like I won that round and that yeah. has a little psychological if yeah. you freaking mope over to the side yeah they're looking Drag at you going yourself. oh yeah it's true and think about this and this goes back kind of before MMA even and this is a, and this kind of comes up every once in a while okay so let's say two guys are fighting after school mm-hmm. or whatever to a street fight right and they just get into it and they're landing essentially just landing one blow after another against each other like where it's an even fight but mm-hmm. there's a lot of punches landed right Finally, someone breaks it up or, or whatever. They stop and one guy's like dragging himself off to his car or whatever. And mm. the other guy's just like fresh. The same amount of punches landed. Mm. It just looks like, oh, that guy just took a beating. For sure. You know? Yeah. So he lost the fight. See what I'm saying? He did indeed. Yeah, but he took the same amount of blows. Check. 
All right, so there's the deal, man. Let's try giving these kids some ownership. Let's get them in the game. Let's talk positive to them. This is freaking. Doesn't mean you're a cheerleader. Doesn't mean you're a cheerleader. Bro, doesn't talk. mean like, yay, super job. No, it's like, hey, man, do you think you go harder than that? Yeah. Even that right there. Instead of just echo, you need to step it up. Be like echo. You think you could go faster than that? I think it's just the difference between those two things. Echo, what was your time on that one? Man, I got a whatever. I got a seven seconds. What do you, what do you think you can get? Right. Boom. If you talk, talk to him like a winner, don't talk to him like a loser. True. That's a big one. Like we're in, sometimes I, I get it. Like as a coach, like kids can kind of, and as a dad or whatever, like kids can kind of let you down a little bit, you know, like in the back of your mind. Mm-hmm. But if you talk to them like a winner, they're going to, they're more likely to act like a winner. If you talk to them like a loser, then, you know, obviously. 100%. Good. All right. I don't know how long we've been talking, but it's been a while. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for supporting the cause. Hey, if you need some of this freaking awesome drink that I'm drinking right now, go to jockofuel.com. If you need boots, jeans, jujitsu gear, you know the deal. OriginUSA.com, jockostore.com, echelonfront.com. That's what we're doing on the interwebs. You know where we're at. At Echo Charles, at Jocko Willink. Thanks for listening. Hey, if you want to us, if there's any topics you want to hear us talk about, let us know. We just talked about freaking movies. So what else you got? Let us know. We'll be here on the underground. Thanks to your support, we will remain here forever. Ready to rock and roll. We'll talk to y'all later.